0: Glory to God. The title of my message today is Be In It But Not Of It. Uh, obviously, we are all in this world. Um, uh, we, we know that we are dwelling here. Our bodies are here. Um, your body gives you a right to be here. Uh, without that, you can't be here. But anyway, so, so we know that though we are here on this planet, in this world, we are not to be of this world. Jesus said, this is not where I'm from. I'm from another place. And so Jesus literally, he took on a body and showed us how to do what it is that he's calling us to do, uh, to, to live a life totally and thoroughly uh, as a channel for heaven to flow into the earth uh, so we can be in this world but not of this world. And uh, uh, so our job is not to see how close we can get to looking like them without not being them. That is not our goal. Uh, Our goal is to live exactly how God would have us to live, conducting ourselves in a way that would be a great blessing for the kingdom of God. And so I, I think that um, oftentimes Christians feel like uh, that it's too much um, to, to be so religious uh, towards people. They, they're afraid of it actually uh, becoming a deal where they just think, well, you're just too much. You're too religious. Well, listen, our, our fear, our concern should not be uh, that, that we are considered one of the group here. You understand? If they know you are a church person, that is a good thing. Does that make sense? Oh, you're, you're a Christian. Oh, I sure am. And they may even know that you're one of those Pentecostals. And you're like, yep. <laughs> I mean, why would we want to hide things or be ashamed of things that cost Jesus his life, you know? Why would I be ashamed of that? That doesn't make any sense. And not that we're trying to be weird and, and peculiar on purpose. We just are. Yeah, the Bible says you are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. He doesn't say to cover that up or mask it uh, and hide that because what if they misunderstand it? Uh, Look, they probably won't fully understand it. Just get over that, all right? And and share Christ with people and and tell them that, you know, God loves them. You're thinking, I can't tell them God loves them because I'll be misunderstood and be deemed as super religious. Well, look, it, they can think you're super whatever, but if they'll get hit by the power of God and, the, and, the, and heaven's life come to them, then guess what? You could have the possibility of helping somebody. Isn't that right? Amen. So we're not trying to live our life like them or look kind of like them, you know. Um, but Paul did say, I become all things to all people that I might win some. That does not mean he starts smoking weed to win a pothead. That doesn't mean he becomes a homosexual to reach a homosexual. But you would think that's what Christians believe by the way they act. I'm sorry, we're getting in this, aren't we? Just wow. Right out the gate, right out the gate. And think you have to cuss so you can be cool like all the other construction workers. Think you have to act a certain way. Now, look, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. But, but if what I want to, to let you know is that we are in the world, but we're not to be of it. Hallelujah. Uh, so so then you ask the question, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be of the world or worldly and that kind of thing? Does it mean uh, that you, uh, you know, get, we could go through a list, that you wear, you know, shorter dresses maybe, and you're of the world because of that? Well, I mean, I, I really honestly think that you should wear a conservative type of a dress if you're a woman and and uh, cover a certain amount of your body parts if you're a woman. Isn't that right? I mean, uh, you know, because I don't know if you realize that open meat draws flies. Yeah. So Satan, Satan. I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable. I hope there's not a bunch of ladies in here with a bunch of you know, you know, like, uh, you know, you're showing a little bit of. Look, you know, this is funny. This is funny to me because um, I was told that Brother Hagen said that women um, should wear enough to cover the important parts and leave enough exposed to be interesting. Amen. And I was like, what? Brother Hagen said that? I'd have to hear him say that myself, you know. But, but So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find some balance that you should dress beautifully, you know, and, and, and be attractive to uh, your husband, at the very least, if you're married. I mean, uh, dress attractively. And I think that it makes your husband uh, very proud that you are a beautiful woman, I would think, and, and do your best, all right? And, and hopefully you didn't get married and quit wearing makeup. How rude, you know? I mean, do your best, isn't that right? Praise God, because a little paint on the barn doesn't hurt nothing, Right? So, and, and when it says that uh, let it not be the braiding of hair or putting on of apparel, uh, it's, just, it's not saying don't do those things. It's saying don't let your beauty come from there. So, so the, the priority of beauty should come from your, your relationship with God and your righteous behavior, you guys. Isn't that right? Uh, gentlemen, it's really uh, no different for us. You know, we, we, should, we should dress um, in a way that, of course, honors our wives and, and uh, that kind of thing. It doesn't seem to be that big of a deal for, for guys, you know. Uh, but then again, we, you know, that definition now has gotten confused as well. And so we just dress accordingly, okay? So, so what I'm dealing with today is, is worldliness and, and the, the, uh, us as believers and, and the church, uh, us trying to be qualified by this world or be accepted by this world. Listen, our job is not to try and be accepted by the world. Our job is to glorify God, magnify God, and to be a light to the world. And uh, sure, dress in the latest whatever, you know, uh, um, and, and uh, be relevant if you can. I mean, some people are more into fashion than others. And, and again, it's not about not being fashionable. It's about being righteous. What is your heart moving you to do? And uh, this is an interesting subject for for Christians because uh, we know that most Christians want to hear about, uh, you know, things like word of faith. And, and man, I can say it and do it like that, you know. And those are powerful things. Who I am in Christ, these are powerful things. But when it comes to conduct, it seems like we don't want to hear those messages. Uh, Because uh, faith with corresponding actions, we know, James said, uh, is, is dead and lifeless for it stands alone. So your relationship with God will cause you to act a certain way, okay? Cause you to do certain things. And, and uh, the most we can ask for in all of our lives is that we're growing and moving forward and we're changing. Isn't that right? So we're not to judge each other for wherever we are. And uh, Christians come to the church in all different walks of life and from bi- different backgrounds. I mean, we, we uh, formerly, before COVID, we had the agape ministry that went and ministered to strippers. And so they show up to church in their mind fully clothed where we're thinking, where's the rest of it? Do you understand? And so we don't want to jump on them. Well, you know, we don't want to. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, that was bad. Approach them <laughs> in a different way. Isn't that right? We want to make sure that we are not running people off. And because you came out of, of, of uh, Pentecostalism and you're dressed from your eyeballs to your toenails and you can't see anything, that's great. But you know what? Maybe your heart isn't any right than that person because they're so, they're so thinking, I'm not even worthy to be here. And you're standing in a place of judgment. That is, a, that is worse. She may have showed up in dental floss and band-aids, but you know what? She showed up with her heart right. And you showed up in a sleeping bag. I'm not condemning people who've been around the church for years and, and conduct themselves right. I'm not condemning them. I'm just saying we all have to have this right perspective, and none of us should be looking to the world. To tell us how we are to look like, how we are to act, or what's okay. We get it from the book. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So, so what is worldliness? Let's look at 1 John 2.16. In 1 John 2.16, it actually gives uh, three points of worldliness... And all sin falls under these three categories or these classifications. Verse 16 of 1 John 2 says, For all that is in the world, how much? All. All. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So are we looking for do's and don'ts and that kind of thing? Really, again, worldliness is a heart condition. Um, And and, uh, to try and deal with this outwardly uh, would be like trying to um, destroy an apple tree by removing all the apples. All you did was put off the apples till later because it will produce more apples. Isn't that right? And so with uh, worldliness Trying to deal with it outwardly with do's and don'ts is would be like doing the same thing. But what has to happen is we need to, to, to deal with the tree and its roots. Isn't that right? And uh, so Christ, um, he removes us um, out of darkness and translates, translates us into the kingdom of his dear son. And uh, I always tell people you don't have to clean up to get saved. You know, that would be like, uh, you know, taking a spit bath before you get in the bathtub. It'd be better to just get in the bathtub. Isn't that right? And so getting in Christ, being born again, that's getting in the bathtub. And he begins to work in your life from the inside out. And so uh, it's, it's just walking from the inside instead of from walking from the outside. So if you still have some apple residue, uh, things that are hanging off of your life uh, that shouldn't be there, listen, God will get around to dealing with you about that. But certainly we're not looking to the world and their trees to find out what should be hanging off of us. And if you're just wanting to be accepted by people out there and be relevant to uh, Google and, and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and, and uh, uh, what's the other one, TikTok, uh, then, then you are in trouble already. Because, because there is so much mass on there. And so we, we, I'm not saying that you can't be on there, but you could be a light on there if you really want to be. But I'm just saying that we're not looking to them to tell us who we are. We are. Or how we are apt to act. So again, in 1 John, um, it says this in verse uh, 15 of 2. And we're going to read 15 through 17. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but, but is of the world. Verse 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. So these things are, are passing away. Um, again, in James 4.4, 4, it says, Ye adulterous, adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. What? An enemy of God. So these, these uh, every time it says world, it's the Greek word cosmos. Um, in these uh, two references in First in, uh, John and in James, uh, it's the present condition of human affairs in alienation from and opposition to God. This is uh, W.E. Vines. It is a love of this world system which is under the control of Satan, the God of this world. That's what those wor- uh, world mean. Those, the word means that. And so we, we need to understand that we want nothing to do with that because why? It's opposed to God. You are an enemy of God if you love this world. And, and we have to watch ourselves. We have to guard our hearts as the scriptures tell us to do. Guard our hearts. I'm not trying to look like them. I'm not trying to uh, just necessarily flow with that program. Why? Because it's opposed to God. Is everybody with me? know, I'll have people, of course, I'm always inviting people to church, always trying to pray with people to get saved and that kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, you have people ask you, you know, um, you know what, are you guys, a, um, you know, do you accept the LBGTQ, you know, the alphabet group? <laughs> and my response is, absolutely. Sure, we accept them. We accept everybody. We know that this world is going to hell in a handbasket and certainly they're included for God so loved the world that's every human being isn't that right absolutely now do I agree with their lifestyle no I do not agree with that lifestyle and I'm not going to hate them for it I'm going to tell them about Jesus and how Jesus can help them Jesus can help them out of anything certainly if they needed to be anywhere it would be here and, and, and folks have come. We've seen people come. And it doesn't take them long. The presence of God. The presence of God. We do not even have to say anything. The presence of God is enough. Now, I'm not saying, obviously, I'm not afraid to say something. But the presence of God oftentimes is enough where it makes folks uncomfortable. Now, that's just not with that lifestyle. It's with any... Well, they possibly were looking for a a church, uh, you know, because uh, the Bible says in the last days, men will look, they'll have itching ears. And they'll look for churches that will pet them, stroke them, and tell them they're okay. You stay just the way you are. God loves you. You little heathen. He loves heathens. It's true. God loves everyone. He died for everyone. He loves you just like you are right here today. But he also loves you too much to leave you in that condition. No matter what that condition is. God is moving you into a better place of being able to uh, be an avenue of his glory and his power. And let's just face it. Sin leads to death. And that is not a statement just for sinners. That is a statement that applies to us as believers. You walk in it, its end is destruction. Y'all with me? And the communion scripture is so famous, he said that we um, are to enter that area uh, and and do it gently and actually with consciousness of Jesus and all the work he did for us and consider our brothers and sisters lest we be judged with the world. That means that you can be a Christian and be judged with the world. So we don't want to walk in those ways and we're not the doom and gloom and hellfire and brimstone type of church, but hell is real. And living in sin has <laughs> its payment, Christian or not. And I tell you what, sin affects your skin. Oh yeah, I know. I'm you know I'm just turned sixty, and you know uh, you know been out of high school for forty years. I had one of my old girlfriends walk up to me at, a, at one of our class reunions, and she goes, "Hi," I'm like hi, (laughs) you don't know me. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking, am I supposed to? (laughs) She had been a bartender for 40 years. You know, divorce, all the difficulties and challenges of living in in that world, in that destructive lifestyle. And I felt horrible, of course. I'm like, oh my God. Oh no, I'm so sorry. But sin affects your skin. But for us, he satisfies my mouth with good things. So that my youth like the eagles is renewed. This is better than aloe vera cream. Cocoa butter. Vaseline. Vaseline. This is the the oil that flows from God himself. The balm of Gilead. You walk and live your life for him. I tell you what. It just makes you look different. Praise God. I love this. I can lay my head on my pillow at night. I just go into a snoring coma. I go into where... You have to rehang the pictures in the morning. I'm telling you, just no worries, no troubles. I'm just go after it. How many anybody here just sleep hard? When you sleep, you sleep hard. I mean just I'm just thankful. Glory to God. Just, uh, uh. My kids get mad, you know, like, oh my gosh. Dear Lord Jesus. Praise God. So that's the, the word world that is used in both of those passages in 1 John and uh, James 4.4. 4. Um, so, so what is the all points of worldliness that it's speaking of? Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Praise God, without sin. So Jesus was tempted in these three points. All that's in the world is in these three categories. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse 4 through 6, uh, this is the account of, we know, Eve. And the serpent said unto the woman, "Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes, one, shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So he's standing there, duh, you know. (laughs) Looking at her nakedness, I have no idea. It just was such an interesting thing when I discovered he was standing there for this whole deal. Instead of taking dominion over the serpent, Driving its head into the ground, he stood there and let his wife fall into that thing. And he went headlong, gone. But here we see those three points. It was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and to make her wise. So here we have those three categories. And then with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, in verses 1 through 11, it says, Then was Jesus leapt up in, um, of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones and be made bread, or to be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So Jesus is tempted in three areas. Understand, man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. Spirit is what you are, soul is what you have, body is your earth suit, it's your earth vehicle. Isn't that right? And so we need to understand uh, that these three points uh, of worldliness um, would affect uh, our whole being if we allow them to. Jesus won in all three categories. He was tempted in all points without sin. Y'all with me? And... uh, uh, so, so when you look at the account um, of, of course, First John, speaking of uh, those different categories, the three different categories, then you see in Genesis uh, that literally Eve, uh, when she spoke out of her mouth, she, she spoke of the three categories. And then Jesus um, was tempted by the devil in all three categories. And uh, if we line them up, spirit, soul, and body, um, uh, we could start with spirit would be in First John, the pride of life. In Genesis, uh, to make one wise, and in Matthew, all the kingdoms would be given to Jesus. So he, the devil, listen, he actually was uh, the God of this world. Adam turned over his authority to Satan, so he literally had those kingdoms. Jesus didn't say, oh, no, uh, you're just a knucklehead. You don't have those kingdoms. Those aren't your kingdoms. Those are my kingdoms. Why? Because God gave Adam all the authority of the work of his hands, right? Uh, Excuse me, not all the authority, but the authority over all the work of his hands, what he had created. You understand? And he turned it over to Satan. When he sinned, he turned that authority over to Satan. So Satan comes to Jesus and shows Jesus took him up and shows him all these kingdoms. Jesus did not say, those aren't your kingdoms. He just said, thou shalt only serve God. Isn't that right? And so uh, he told him to get behind him after that. Hit the road, Jack. But he was tempted in all three different areas. Uh, What would the the bread be for Jesus? That would be your body. He's hungry. He's been fasting. Could he have made bread out of the stones? Of course. He said, well, why don't you do this? Because he would not have said it to him if he couldn't. But he didn't say, I can't do that. He said, but man shall live by what? The word. Not by bread. Not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So that would be uh, a temptation for his body because he was hungry. And so, so temptations of your body. Your body has different hungers, isn't that right? Your body has uh, different desires. How many knows that it's not just food that your body wants? How many knows your body would just lay in bed half the day? I just want to sleep right now you got a job, boy. Get up. We have to force sometimes ourselves, right, to work out. I mean, if you work out, people think, oh, yeah, that's just great. You love to work out because you get up at early in the morning to do it. No, I just want to look a certain way. I don't want to, uh, you know, be ugly. You know, I don't want to get out of control and look like a pear, you know. So I make myself get up. I go work out. And uh, uh, so my body doesn't really want to do that. Body wants to be lazy. Yeah? And if you have any kind of libido in your body, that's an appetite. If you um, have any sexual drive at all, in case you don't know what libido means, uh, if you have any kind of sexual drive, that is an appetite. Do you understand? And we can't just let our body do whatever it wants for that, right? right. There are parameters. Incidentally, Paul said uh, it's better to marry... Than to burn. And if you think that means burning in hell. No that's not what he means. It's better to marry. Than to burn with this desire. You know what's worse than that. Is marrying and burning anyhow. That's a good moment for us to say salah. Pause. Pause. And think about these things. So, so always in every relationship, in, in, in marriage, I'll, I'll say, biblically speaking, the only right way to activate that desire is in the covenant of marriage. And if you have that uh, marriage thing going on, you have married a woman, a man, that you two have joined yourselves together. One of you has a burning desire more than the other. And that means that somebody needs to be giving themselves more than they have desire for. It's no different than this person has a hunger uh, for food and you starve them and they keep getting skinnier and skinnier because you don't eat as much as them. I don't know why we get involved in these things in church. And some of you are thinking, oh, he's talking to the men. Not at Word of Life Christian Center. Not at Word of Life. Not at Word of Life. Not, it's not my counseling experience. It's not just the men. That there are, are ladies that have the higher libido, that have that higher desire. But these are desires that uh, our body wants, but we have to control, we have to manage, because there's only uh, a limited uh, parameter for that, and that would be only solely to your spouse. Can you manifest that? And, and Paul's saying that you, you should do that frequently, that you should not uh, hold back from your spouse, because your body is theirs, their body is yours. Am I going to be able to get away from this part? Will y'all let me go forward? Because, man, God is helping somebody in this house right now, in Jesus' name. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. But it's a deal. It's a deal. And so the enemy, as a result, because one or the other, they are suffering in this area. So the enemy sends hoochie mamas and sends buddy boys. Because I can tell you this, if my wife tells me that there's not dinner at home for me, I'm going to swing by and get some food somewhere. We do that and don't even think about it for our our hunger of food. But when it comes to sexual drive, people just turn their brains off. Think you cannot have sex with your husband for three months. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm going to have to go home now. I I've had real counseling like this. My husband is divorcing me. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, And they start talking about the details. I just was busy and didn't have sex with him for six months. I'm thinking, and he's just now divorcing you? I mean, that sounds horrible, right? But honestly, I'm like, duh. Don't you know you have to take care of your spouse? Again, this is not a man thing, you guys. It's not just a man thing. I think That's just deception to think that it's only men that have that desire. That is not true. I've had men talk to me, complain to me about how many times their wife wants to do that. I'm like, you whining little, you know, I'm just like, do you know how many men would love to have, you know, Just like, oh my gosh. So it's not a gender thing, but it is something that has to be recognized in the marriage. Why are we doing this today? In the marriage so that you protect the marriage. Because Paul said in that passage in Corinthians, he said that if you don't, you give place to the devil. And they will go to Big Mac's for dinner. what what in the world are we doing? Apparently, there's somebody in the room that you need to understand and realize, look, I understand there are so many variables in this, what I'm talking about. So many variables. But we have to do our best to take care of our spouses. Guard them. And love them and care about them and make sure they're taken care of. And listen, everyone should do their best in that process. I'm speaking in code. In that process to make that person feel like a king or a queen. Special. She is not your whore. But ladies, on the other hand, whatever you do to him, he should not ever want to have one. That you make him wonder how in the world that God loved him so much to have such an amazing woman. It's two ways. It's two ways. Do your best. Praise God. It's a tough subject to speak in code with. I'll probably have 15 counseling sessions after this. (laughs) Pastor Andy, we need to talk to you. Praise the Lord. But it's a deal. And Paul, listen, I'm using all my time up with this. I'm not even getting down the road with this thing. It's okay, it's okay, because Holy Spirit's helping people. This is a very important thing. Paul, listen, he's talking to them saying, I wish you were like me. What was Paul? Single. He was talking about that. In this, went into the subject from that. I wish that you'd be single like me. It is the best, because why? You could serve God completely, 100%, and you don't have to serve somebody else. But it's better to marry. Then he goes in, but it's better to marry than to burn. So people say, well, you don't get married for sex. Paul said you do. I know I did. Come on, tell the truth. Shame the devil. Can I be real? I told the Lord, if you will take this away from me, I'll do what Paul said. I would love to do what Paul said, but right now I got a problem. I have a libido. I have a desire to be with a woman. And if you remove it, I wouldn't know any different. I would know, gosh, I don't care about that. Y'all with me? Do you understand? So Paul said, it's better to, to be like me. But he said, it's better to marry if you have this desire in you. You better get married. So this, listen to me. So you were one of those if you got married and you got married because you weren't that way, you had the desire, then why would you marry somebody and make them think you're going to do that for them and then not? Listen, I'm not talking to a gender. I'm talking to everyone. And so you get together You understand? And you take care of business and let God come upon your relationships. I've thought about even when I do premarital counseling, I've thought about having people sign an agreement. Like, look, you, because everybody says, we understand, we know exactly, yes, that's right. We commit ourselves to that. I'm like, no, you sign here. That I agree to take care of taking care of my spouse in this way because there are people that will feed them there are people that will provide for them there are people that will do everything else but when it comes to that it's held back and here I am preaching a message where I'm talking about avoiding uh, worldliness listen But listen, if you create a condition in that person's life where they're actually starving and hungering for something and they can't get any help because you are their spouse, it causes problems. And we don't want to cause that problem to our spouse, right? Praise the Lord.